So, we've just officially played with the sensibilities of every red-blooded American. Andy walked in with her ears covered. I'm not allowed to listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, it is with purpose today that we break out Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're glad you joined us this morning, even though the morning is cold and drippy. Oh, my goodness. That came out of nowhere, huh? I mean, yeah. I knew it was, I saw it on the radar, saw it coming, but when I walked in, it was dry and beautiful, and then before you know it, we're... We're nice and damp. Yeah, I'm looking so. forward to wet feet the rest of the day. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You had, you had some fun yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I did. What, I got what? to go down and be with my college roommate, Christian, and his wife. And so Riley and I got to go hang out with them during the day. Uh, we got to enjoy an incredible win over Penn State. Now, trivia question, people. Illinois just became a trivia answer. Uh, who played in the longest football game in college football history? That would be Illinois. Wow. And who won? Who won the game? That's us. That's amazing. And then at That's night, amazing. it was really cool. We got to go with, um, with um, the Kreitz family over to, uh, to the basketball stadium and watch Ben uh, and the, the St. Francis Fighting Saints take on Illinois. Uh, granted, Illinois got a, a little, they're a little bigger, a little faster, a little stronger. They're a little good. So they huh? may have won by 70. Uh, but it was, so cool to see, it was so cool to see uh, some guys from our area get in the game. And unfortunately, Ben didn't get any time. Uh, but I did get to watch him walk through the line, and he got a full-on hug from Kofi Coburn, who's this seven-foot, 285-pound monster. So it was cool to watch Ben, who towers over me, get towered over <laughs> by this giant of a human. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. How fun. Yeah, That's very, very, very cool. good. Yeah, I, I woke up this morning. I'm flicking through some news stories, and I saw the Illini story. I was like, oh, my word. That's crazy. And then I've not been paying any attention to baseball, but once again, it has been proven that money does not necessarily win a championship. I'm very thankful for or, that. Or at least get you, into the, get you into the championship. So nice to have Los Angeles going home. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. I don't know who beat them, but I'm glad to see them go home. I'm not a vengeful person at all. So anyway, hey, it's a good weekend to be here. You got your weekend update yesterday and a few things. Uh, we, we went ahead and gave you that, that full list of all the reasons to come to the Family Fun Fest next week. Can't wait. That's Saturday, 6 to 8. And one of the things that's really important on that is, well, there's no fee, there's no registration, just show up, but if you're going to do some pumpkin chucking, you got to bring your own pumpkin. So what recommendations do you have for pumpkin chuckers? Uh, pumpkin chuckers show up on Friday, because it's Friday night. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, look at that. Okay. Friday. I'll be here Saturday, <laughs> alone with my thoughts. <laughs> That'll be beautiful. Friday night. Uh, we're going to have a big bonfire. There's going to be a lot of food, uh, so make sure you bring your appetite. That's we're going to be cooking some... Direction. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to bring some That's hot dogs, or we're going to be cooking some hot dogs on the fire. We're going to have s'mores <laughs> and all kinds of good fall stuff. And I know that some of you are wondering, why are you wearing glasses? No, I'm not turning hipster for like some pumpkin spice latte fest or anything. But there's going to be a lot of fall-themed things. We're going to be playing Nine Square, but it's going to be a, a fall-themed game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yes, we will be doing some pumpkin chucking. If you want to smash a pumpkin, That'd be we a suggest great that you... band name. Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to do that one. That's terrible. Anyway, uh, uh, we, are, we are going to be smashing some pumpkins. If you would, bring small to medium-sized pumpkins so we can launch them off of our lift. Also, we are looking for a bunch of mini pumpkins, 
like those little, uh, Almost they look gourd decorative. Like. Yeah. yeah. We're looking for as many of those really as we can hard. get they don't for Friday. Break and they break things. Yeah, awesome. and we're going to have uh, some, some special launchers, and our kids are going to get to launch them as far as they can. So if, if you wouldn't mind contacting me, let me know if you have some of those that you're looking to get rid of here at the end of Halloween. We will take them all, all of the small little decorative uh, pumpkins. Um, looking forward to, to a great night on Friday. And one of the things we're changing up a little bit, a lot of times we do like one monster big bonfire and you're trying to cook your hot dog and the fire's like back at the sound room and you're still holding and having the flesh burned off of you. <laughs> so we're going to have a few fires. We'll yeah. have our nice big fun fire, but then we'll have some smaller areas where you can actually cooking get, fires. Close, yeah. get close to the fire and yeah. cook. So for some of you, they get concerned about that. Uh, we're good to go there. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And mm -hmm. that will be there Friday night. Friday awesome. night. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. It actually makes me less tense because Saturday's a busy day for me. And so I'm like, how am I going to work that in? So wow. It's almost like we thought ahead. Wow. Yeah, awesome. It's too bad that it's raining so hard today because the back paths down here on the property are, are cleared out and just beautiful right now. So during the week, you want to come on over and take a wander. It's, mm -hmm. a great, it's a great place to just go walk, pray, be quiet. And uh, we, all the way to the back, during that tornadic windstorm, a bunch of the old dead ash trees fell out. We got all those cleared away. So it looks really, really nice back mm -hmm. there this fall. Although I suspect after a day of rain, it might be a little, a little dip, drippy, but is what it is. We let you know again, you know, the best way to stay connected with things around here is to get that app. You can go on the church website and, and get that thing uh, on your phone. I believe that when you're setting it up, it's going to ask you to probably enter your zip code or something, and then you can search some of the area churches. This is Southfield. Enter that one. Um, so go ahead and enter that. And, yeah. and right there, you're able to go and look at, in particular, groups and events all the time. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's populated with all the events right on through Green Lake and camp. And so those dates are already there. Good, good to take advantage of that. That piece of it is worth checking weekly because there's new stuff coming up or things that you can register for late. Um, so it's always, it's always worth checking out the, the groups tab. Yep. Do you have anything uh, student-wise going on? I, a little curiosity. So next week is the Sacred Collection of Candy Night, and, I, and it's the same night as high school, and I know a lot of those kids still like to get on their knees and go around and collect candy. Yeah, so our seniors. What, what are you going to do? Our seniors, I mean, <clears throat> Adam, Adam Brooks is going to try and walk around the neighborhood on his knees so he fits in with the rest of the junior hires to collect candy that afternoon. Awesome. But this awesome. evening we are going to have a normal night. We're going to have a, a, a little celebration of our own. Uh, and Julie Conroy has made it very clear that she will never come back if we don't allow her to wear a costume or two. Uh, so if you want to, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But that's going to be next Sunday night. Uh, and then on November 10th at Refuge, we are doing our, one of my favorite new events that we were able to do a couple years ago. as donuts and dodgeball. So we're going to be getting all that information. Everything's going to be going out through Remind later this week. So if you have a student that is junior high or high school age, or you are a student junior high or high school age, and you want to keep up on that information, stop by the, the welcome desk this morning, and you can get instructions on how to sign up for that. Remind is super easy. It's, if you want to download another app on your phone, you can. If you don't, you don't have to, and you can still get all those messages. Uh, but it's, that's how we get all the information out, and there's going to be a lot coming in the next few weeks, so make sure that you're signed up for that. So I didn't prep you for this, but when you think of Genesis 1 through 3, the first three chapters of the Bible, well, maybe what, what are one or, two, um, one or two verses or one or two concepts that really stick out to you from the first, handful, or first three chapters of the Bible? Yeah, 
obviously, um, the, we get creation right up front, and mm -hmm. I, I love how we emphasize uh, often that in the beginning, God. Mm -hmm. God, God is the Alpha. He is the Omega, beginning and end. He is everything, and everything was created in him, through him, by him, for him. Uh, so there's something just so magical and powerful in that for me, um, knowing that we aren't in control, mm -hmm. because just a chapter later, we find out that if we were in control, it would all go to junk. Yeah. Because we are fallible. We are susceptible to, um, to falling for lies, dating back to the first humans. Um, and we, we don't get it right. So, again, seeing, seeing how, how God handles Adam and Eve when they lie, catching them with the hand in the cookie jar, and makes them reason it out, I think that's, that's something that I have to do with my, my students a lot. Oh, mm -hmm. No, I didn't give you this grade. You earned it. Now let's look, why, let's look at why mm -hmm. you got this mm -hmm. grade. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I just love the, the picture that it paints for us in terms of um, God's creation and then how we screwed it up. Awesome. Well, I, I, I've grown a great appreciation, not only as I grow old, older, but especially through, through COVID, I've, I've grown a great appreciation for the little word with. Uh, we're with each other and we need that. We're together and we need that. And I really believe a, a big part of Genesis 1 to 3 is God letting us know that he created us to be with us and for us to be with him. And so part of the reason we're breaking into Christmas already is because I want to spend some time looking at that name, Emmanuel, which we're literally told by Isaiah means God with us. We're going to be looking at, at the with us God. And uh, part of the reason we're doing this now, part of the reason we're breaking in literally before Halloween, you know, you look at when Easter is coming, you have Lent. And Lent is six weeks long, and it's quiet and reflective. It's the dead of winter, all that's going on. And you really have a chance to get your heart prepared for the moment of the celebration of the resurrection. Advent, on the other hand, happens, starts the Sunday, often the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And, you know, it, it, Black Friday's already happened, and we're not even into Advent yet. And we're racing and running and trying to order, and this year's going to be more hectic than ever as we all go bang on shipping containers and try to find our things. And, you know, we're going through all this madness, and there are the parties. And, and when your kids are younger, it seems like you're going to countless concerts and parties and events and all this stuff to the point that by the time Christmas Eve comes, we sit there and go, thank God Christmas is over. What a, you know, what a sad reaction. Thank God Christmas is behind us. So I wanted to get a little earlier start this year because I want, I want to take some time to really be reflective about what does it mean for God to be with us. He is a with us God. So that by the time we get to Christmas Eve, we will have still experienced all the busyness, but we will have reflected long enough to be grateful that we are not alone. And then to analyze just the way we do approach our relationship with God. Because as much as God says, I am with you always to the end of the age, and he wants us to be with him, the main word that we use to describe our relationship with God is often not with. So we're going to look at some of the faulty ways that we go about our relationship with God, and then ultimately come back and look at the richness of withness. Cool. So would you mind praying before we start? Sure. God, we come before you today uh, ready to worship, ready to listen, ready to learn. I pray that you'd work in each and every one of us um, as 
we hear what you have for us. I, I pray as we enter, believe it or not, the, the Christmas season, that we would be ready. That we would be ready, um, not just for ourselves, but for the people that we interact with on a daily basis, whether it's coworkers or family or kids or whoever, God. Help us to, to be ready to spread the Christmas message. Help us to understand why it's important to slow down, to know that you are with us, and to share that message with the world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, imagine a bizarre scenario in which you are quite literally the only person existing on earth, or at least the only person you know. You are alone. You've never been influenced by the thought of another person. You, you, have, you have no sense whatsoever of why you're here, how you got here, any of that. You are just... You're just standing, literally staring at the stars by yourself, and you're trying to figure it out. And you come across a book, and somehow, even though you're alone, you're a genius, and you're able to read whatever language it's written in, and you open it up to chapter 1, verse 1, and there before you, you see these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ten words in English, ten words that that you could quite literally just sit and reflect on for the rest of your days, and you would have all kinds of teaching about your existence, about why you exist, about who created you, everything. It's right there. It starts with that little prepositional phrase, in the beginning. And you might read that alone and say, the beginning of what? The beginning of the world, the beginning of the sky, the beginning of me? The beginning of everything that ever was, there was nothing, and there's something. What is it the beginning of? What are we talking about here? And then we read, in the beginning, God. God. I mean, I'm alone. What do, what do you mean, God? It, it capitalized. It must be a person. Who is this person? Is this person someone I might run into on the street? Where, where do they come from? What are they all about? In the beginning, God. I'm looking at these words, and I'm trying to understand who is this and what is he about? And he's doing something, it appears, in the beginning. And, and what we find out is that in the beginning, God created. We get the verb, the first verb in all of the Bible. In the beginning, God started making things. And I mean, he is the ultimate maker, we find out. He's the one that's putting it all together. Creativity is part of his nature. And so we're, we're unfolding this. We're only five words in, and we're already learning that, that we got here somehow, and there was a being called God that put us here, and he actually created. And what did he create? He created the heavens and the earth. Everything that exists. Now I don't have to wonder what it's the beginning of. It's the beginning of where I stand. It's the beginning of human existence. Existence. Here we are. It all starts here. Ten words, just ten words, and already I have a greater understanding of how I got here, who got me here, and a little bit of what life is all about. I'm still not totally sure who this God being is, except that he apparently has some, some resources and some power to be able to create not just a building, not just a city, but an entire world and an entire uh, solar system. There's something going on with this God that's incredible and powerful. We continue to read verse 2. And in verse 2, we find out that he created in the beginning, but what he created was just a something. He created, he created this planet, this earth, and it says it was formless and empty, meaningless, abandoned, just there, darkness, 
covers the water. Just this, just this blob out there in the universe. But then, but then we get this other part because it's not abandoned. There's this something called the Spirit of God, and it's hovering over the waters, just hovering there. And even there, we're kind of going, Spirit of God, God. Okay, are we talking about two different entities? Is this talking about just the Spirit within this guy, God? Or is there someone else here? What's going on? But he's hovering, he's hovering. And the hovering gives you the sense that maybe, just maybe, something is about to happen. Something might be about to explode. We come to verse 3, and we get the very first words to human beings from this entity called God. And what does he say? Let there be light. Declarative statement. Boom, let there be light. Suddenly, what was dark is brought to brilliant light. Suddenly, what was, what was unknown is known. We go, from, we go from what is this all about to revelation and illumination. We can see, we can see what's going on. This God begins all of creation by turning on the light bulb. And think about that for a moment. Even in that, we're only three verses in, and he's saying, I don't want you to live in the dark. I don't want you to live without understanding. I don't want you to live in a place that feels formless and void and meaningless. I want your life to be full of meaning and full of light. It says God saw the light was good. And you're going to find that he says that again and again and again. I've said this before, but I, you know, for me, every time I think of creation, I think of cleaning my garage. I get my garage cleaned, and I'm not kidding, I just did this past week. And for the next few days, at random times during the day, I'll just go and open the garage door and look out. And this sense of satisfaction sweeps over my body. I'm like, oh, the way the world was meant to be, this is awesome. God opens the garage door and goes, look, light. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. It says the evening and the morning passed, marking the first day. And just a side note here, there are a lot of theories about how the world came to be, and some try to mash together evolution and creation and say, maybe, maybe the world was formed over billions of years, but God was the former. Evening and morning came, marking the first day. Evening and morning is usually 24 hours, you know? That's the way it works. And here's the problem I have when we start trying to stretch that day into something other than a day. What else are we going to do to the Bible? Where else are we going to say, that doesn't quite fit with my understanding of things. I'll morph it. I'll change it. I'll twist it. I'll make it fit my thinking. First day is done. Second day begins. And, and, and it's like God, God doesn't get right to, let's put people here. He starts creating an inhabitable space. So he's turned the lights on, and the second day, in many ways, seems kind of uneventful, right? He says, let there be a space between the waters. He says, basically, I'm going to create an earth with water, and there's going to be an atmosphere above. We're just going to, we're going to create this separation. You're going to have water above, water on the earth. There's even water below the earth. He just, he just separates it all about, and he creates this thing he calls sky. Look up, blue, beautiful, sky. Water everywhere and sky. And then he says, this is good. And we wait for the third day. Third day comes. Let the water beneath the sky flow together into one place 
so dry ground appears. So, so the beginning of this creation is, is this separation going on. We have a separation of the sky, the water sky from the ground sky. Now we have a separation of the water from the land. And, and everything is just kind of starting to divide apart. The pieces, the pieces are starting to form. And at that point, when you think about it, it's a fairly colorless place. You got blue sky, you got blue water, and you got brown dirt. That's it. And now this creating God goes creative nuts because now he says it's time for some plants. And God just, he walks into the flower shop and he goes crazy. And he just, I mean, he just starts, he parts, starts splashing green everywhere and red everywhere and yellow everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there are these plants forming and seeds coming off of them. All of this creativity going on, all of this beauty is taking place. All of it is to prepare within three days a space where life has the chance to survive. But the fourth day comes. And the fourth day, again, there's some separation going on. And there's, there's some things going on to try to, to try to make sure that we understand how life works. And so even though we've had light, and even though we've had darkness... Now God makes two great lights. He makes something called the sun. Don't stare at it, you'll go blind. And he creates something called the moon that if you look at it in a telescope, you're blown away. It's amazing. And he creates scars and he creates all these pieces. And, and what we learn is that, that part of the reason he creates them is he's already starting to create within human beings what exists within him, rhythm. Day and night, day and night, day and night, work and rest play and rest. Rhythm is taking place. And he's trying to plant that in the heart of the human soul to understand that when the moon is up, it's time to go to bed. And when the sun is up, it's time to go to work. And somewhere in there, have some fun and do some worship and all those things. You get this, you get this rhythm going on, fourth day ends. Now, at the end of the fourth day, some people read the Bible and they go, <clears throat> it's messed up. How in the world can you have plants the third day and sun the fourth day? I mean, if we had one night without the sun, we'd be an ice cube. It'd be over. It'd be done. How in the world? It's clearly, the writer messed this up. And I really believe what we have here is a foreshadowing of the world to come. It's, it's God giving us a message, and we don't even know what he's saying yet. But boy, is he giving us a message. You go to the end of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 21. It talks about this city. There's no temple there. For the Lord Almighty and its Lamb are the temple. We don't need a building. We've got God right there. And it says, And the city had no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Here's what he's making clear. That world survives because of me. Not because of a sun. Not because of a moon. Everything about that world is sustained by me. Even in the order of the days of creation, he's sending us a message about him and about us. We cannot survive without God. We just can't make it without him. The day ends. And another day begins, and it's the fifth day. And on the fifth day, God decides to make all the bird people happy. 
because he just starts he just starts filling the sky and ground with birds they're everywhere he fills the seas with fish and and before you know it this place that up until now has been relatively quiet is is quacking and cawing and and screeching and all this noise is starting and the voices the voices of all the animals are starting to sing out their praises to their creator fifth day is done sixth day starts he's like okay now let's go really crazy and we have his creativity on display as he starts creating all of these animals i can't help believe that he comes to the end of day six and he looks at a giraffe and says that was cool some things are good but that thing is just downright cool he's he's looking at all this the wild animals the livestock the small animals all of it is created on the sixth day but interestingly sixth day is a long long day because that's not where it ends in verse 26 God says, let us make human beings in our image. Wait, what? Us? What's this us thing? Is it a royal we? God doesn't like to refer to himself as I and me. Is he pronoun confused? What's going on here? Why, why in the world is he saying us? Could it be possibly that this spirit of God that was hovering over the waters is different than the God who created the heavens and the earth? He gets us thinking. He's having this conversation with others and he's saying, we're going to get creating. We're going to create something that is just like us. Something that reflects us. You can look at another human being and you get an idea of who this God guy is. You can get an idea just by looking at another human being because we're created in the image of God. We're created with a physical body, a, a, an inhabitant, a, a presence. We're created with emotion. We're created with intelligence. We're created with creativity. We're created with all of these th things. And as we look at them, as we look at personality and all that, we start to get a, only 20-some only, only 20, 20 verses in, we start to get an idea of who this God of word for is. And so he does it. He creates. He creates this human being. And he places that human being on the earth. And he says, now here's what you got to know. I created you to manage the place. Eat whatever you want. Go crazy. You can, you can eat plants. You can be a vegetarian if you want. You can eat meat. Go for the steak. Do what you want. Anything you want. It's all there for you. He looks at it all. And this time he doesn't just say it's good. He says, this is very good. Now, ironically, even though there are seven days of creation, the seventh day is not in chapter one. We've got to go to chapter two to find the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God wakes up and he goes, it's done. I've done it. It's finished. But there's one more piece of creating that needs to be created. And that creating is a day to step back, relax, and enjoy it. To step back, relax, and just, and, and absolutely, in our case, worship the one who did the creating to enjoy the rhythm of life that involves work and rest, six days on, one day off, six days on, one day off. He blesses the day, he declares it holy, and he takes a rest from his work. And then it says, this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Now as you continue in chapter 2, chapter 2 just kind of unfolds a little bit more the details of what happened in chapter 1. There are some things that were just that were just spoken into being, spoken into place, and now and now God's going to fill in some of the details so that so that we know what's going on. 
It, it tells us that when the Lord made the heavens and the earth, neither the wild plants nor the, nor the grain were growing on the earth. There was nothing there yet. In fact, it wasn't growing. God had a different watering system going prior to the flood. We don't have rain calling from, falling from the sky. We have water rising up from the ground. He had soaker hoses everywhere. And that's the way everything gets watered. It's just amazing. No people to cultivate it. And, and so what he does is he creates this human being and he lets us know that that human being, while everything else is created by just speaking. Think about, you're reading this and you learn that this, that this God is able to create light and animals just by saying light. How many things can you create just by saying it? Say to your kids, clean your room. <laughs> I am not God. All right, didn't work, didn't work. He speaks, but this time he doesn't just speak. He takes dust and he breathes. And this unique part of all creation, this unique piece of all creation, gets the privilege of existing human beings. There they are. It says God planted a garden in the east of Eden. So now, now, now he's saying, not just is there a world, but I, but I prepared a special place where I want to be with my people. I prepared a special location where I want to be with this unique creation. And he, and he gives the people the responsibility, this person the responsibility of caring for that place. And he says, my goodness, you can, you can eat from everything going on around there, but there, there are some trees in the middle of the garden, tree of life and tree of knowledge of good and evil. He, he goes on in the passage to tell us more about Eden, to tell us the rivers that boundary it, to give us an idea of the exact location of where we could have found this on the earth. And then he shifts back again to talk about the trees. Verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely of all the fruit trees in the garden. Go crazy except the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. Have you ever done this with your kids? Told them all the variety of things that they can enjoy, but don't do this. You ever seen what their little Adam and Eve eyes do? Everything else just doesn't look as good, does it? I want the thing I can't have. God said you have everything except this one thing just one and it starts to create an itch why not what's going on here why can't i enjoy that we come to verse 18 and i love this line because it says the lord god said it is not good for man to be alone i want to unpack two pieces of that first of all even though the world was sinless the world could be said had something that was not good you can, you can lack sin and still have something that is not good. And he said the thing that is not good is that this person doesn't have another person just like him. Think about this spiritually. For a lot of us, we'll say something like this. All I need is God. All I need. Christ is all I need. That statement is 100% correct. We need God and God alone. Having said that, God himself said, he doesn't say at this point, Adam should be satisfied. He has me. He has all he needs. No, he says, it's not good. That this guy is looking around and doesn't find someone else just like him. 
And then God puts him through this practice that's just kind of crazy, you know. He gets to be animal namer. That day he's just, he's naming everything, pointing out everything. And all of this is an object lesson for Adam to come to the end of the day and go, I see two of everything but me. What's going on? Why am I alone? It says the Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall over Adam. And while he slept, the Lord took one of Adam's ribs out of him. And out of that rib, he creates the most amazing thing to ever walk the face of the earth. He creates a woman. And Adam wakes up and he goes, at last, <laughs> oh, this is the best. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And then we have this little commentary moment that's used in almost every wedding ceremony. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united as one. And then we have the word, the verse that defines paradise, the verse that defines the way God wanted us to, everything to be, the verse that defines the way he wanted us to live in relationship with him. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I had to go to the doctor recently. You have to step on that scale. Can I just tell you what I think I weigh? <laughs> I won't go there. They're looking in your ears, and I'm thinking, oh, did I clean those? <laughs> Yuck. Don't like people to look at my body. Men and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There's something going on here more than simply they're wandering around a garden without clothes. You know what this verse says? They had no reason to hide they could be completely exposed completely vulnerable with god and with each other completely exposed completely vulnerable and not worry about what might be found out they're completely vulnerable this is paradise right here verse chapter 2 verse 25 is the way god intended human existence to be lived that we could be completely vulnerable, that we could be completely exposed and completely unashamed. Nothing to hide. I kind of wish the Bible at this point said, the end. But it doesn't. Two chapters of good. Two chapters. And then comes chapter three. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, can I just stop there? Snake starts talking to you. What are you going to do? I mean, this is not a Harry Potter movie. This is real life, you know? What are you going to do? A snake starts talking to you. A couple weeks ago, it was the most uh, amazing thing. I'm walking up to this door on Sunday morning, and a little garter snake pops his head out from under the sidewalk and then pops back in, and I'm like, be gone. And then, and then I'm, <laughs> as I'm coming back in during the second service, there he is on the other side, and I'm like, no, seriously, be gone. So then we come to the end of the service, and poor Cindy Gorin, she's, she's got her mom in the wheelchair, and she's wheeling her out, and she opens the door, and the snake is sitting in the sidewalk right there. And Cindy kind of lunges back, and the snake starts coming into church. A snake came to church. I'm so glad it didn't speak. I'm so glad we could pick it up and just put it back outside. You know what's amazing? Eve doesn't go, you have never talked before. What is this all about? Makes you wonder what's going on pre-fall. Were these animals able to talk? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, this animal starts to speak. 
Did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any tree in the garden? He knows that's not true. He knows it's not true. Sets her up. Going to quiz you a little bit. Tell me about your conversation with God. Did God really say you weren't allowed to eat any fruit of any tree? You're only supposed to be carnivores? What's going on? Well, Eve, of course we may eat from the true fruit of the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. He says, she says, God said we can't eat it or even touch it, which we know we've looked at this before. God didn't say anything about touching the fruit. Don't do it or you will die. She gives this answer and he comes back again and just outright defies her understanding of who God's is. Out, outright defies her understanding of God's goodness. Out, outright just defies everything that she understands to this point. You will not die. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God knowing both good and evil. What's she saying? What's he saying? God isn't as good as you think. You think God has your best intentions at heart? No, he doesn't. He's just like everybody else you've ever known. In it for him. In it for him. In it for what he can get. In it for, in it for his advantage. You're, you're just his slave. You're just his pawn. You're just there to do what he wants you to do. Boy, it doesn't take much, right? All it takes is that statement. And Eve is convinced. She's convinced right there. She looks at the tree. She looks at the fruit. It's beautiful. It looks delicious. And she understands now it could give her wisdom. So she takes some and eats it. And she doesn't waste any time sharing some fruit as well. Her husband eats it. It says, at that moment, their eyes were open. It's not that their eyes have been closed up until then, but now they have a revelation of something about themselves they had never seen before because now they can see in themselves a reason to be ashamed because they are naked, because now they are completely exposed. Now they've been exposed in doing the thing, the only thing God had said, don't do this. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That verse right there tells us what every human being does when they realize, finally, when they finally realize that they're in trouble, they decide they've got to fix it themselves. I'm going to do what I can to fix it myself, and so we make ourselves one of the lamest fig tree skirts we've ever made. We think we can get away with this by, by we, can, we can manage it, we can fix it, we can, we can make this okay. Evening comes and God has this habit of walking in the evening. The breeze is blowing. They hear the crackling of the footsteps of God through the garden. It says they hid themselves among the trees like a little kid standing in the middle of the room playing hide and seek. Right? I know you can't see me. You can't find me. The Lord calls out to them, where are you? Not because God is ignorant. He's asking them a question. No, where are you really? Not just physically. Where are you? What happened? Where are you? Adam replies, I heard you walking. I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Oh, my word. 
We're only 10 verses after that beautiful verse that says they were naked and felt no shame. And now we have them saying, I was afraid, I hid, I knew I was naked, I knew I was vulnerable. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? I love that God, Brian already mentioned this, but God probes with questions. We're, we're quick to play a jury, <laughs> judge, condemn, boom. I know what you did. Instead of giving an opportunity for a person to come to a place of confession themselves. Did you eat of the fruit? Well, you know, God, this is really your fault. I was doing just fine before you put her here. She loves fruit. She had to try it. I'm just saying. So, you know, turns to Eve. So, you're a troublemaker. Yeah, but you know, it's that snake. I mean, he just, he did this. He did this. From the very beginning, I mean, the two things they do are the two things that we do. They sew up some fig leaves thinking that'll cover them, and they cast the blame somewhere else. Wasn't me. If you hadn't created me with these desires, I wouldn't have done the wrong thing. It's all your fault, God. You did this. Blame, 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 blame. And then come the three curses. Serpent get cur gets cursed. You'll crawl on your belly. And embedded in this verse, verse 15, is the promise of a beautiful future. So he says, there's going to come a point that a man is going to come and you are going to nip at his heel just like a snake. He'll hang on a cross. But I'm telling you what, you're going to take that cross and you're going to drive it through your heart. He's going to crush your head and you will be dead. The day is coming. Don't forget it. The day is coming. We're only three chapters in, and we've already got the hope of redemption coming as part of the curse of the snake. The woman gets a curse as well. More pain in childbirth. It also says your desire will be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Interesting statement there. That idea that now, now will rise up within me a spirit of competition. I want what you've got. And I'm going to take what you've got. And then the guy, congratulations, get weeding, get working. Life is going to get a lot harder. Please understand, work was not the result of the curse. Hating work was the result of curse. You want to know the result of the curse? It's the feeling you have right now about tomorrow. I hate Mondays. I hate Mondays. That's the result of the curse right there. Adam used to go skipping into the garden. This is the best. I get to hoe. I get to mud. This is the best. And now he goes, weeds. I hate weeds. Thistle. Garbage. Need some roundup. You will work by the sweat of your brow. From dust you came to dust you will return. Well, he doesn't leave the woman without a, a name. Adam calls her Eve because she's going to be the mother of everybody that ever existed. And then we come to this. The Lord said, look, the human beings have become like us. They know good and evil. What if they reach out and take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? They will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. He banished them. He sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had made him. And sending them out, the Lord stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a flaming sword and, a flash, and it flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is so incredibly sad. 
here are people that used to enjoy God walking with them in the cool of day, and now God says, you're banished. We're separated. This is broken. All the beauty is broken just like that. We're going to be looking at Emmanuel, God with us. What does it mean to be with God? But the fact is, we all have a starting point in this journey of God being with us, and that is life apart from God. We start life banished. We start life separated. We start life grabbing some fig leaves, sewing them together. We start life saying, if you hadn't brought her into my life, I wouldn't have done this. If you hadn't given me that desire, I wouldn't have done this. We start life apart from God. You can't be with God until you realize you are apart from God. Every one of us. No, nobody, nobody was born a Christian. Nobody was born into a relationship with God. Every person was born separated from God. This is the starting point for every human being. But here's the beauty. It doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. And as we walk this journey together, this Emmanuel God with us journey, what we're going to realize is you don't have to stay in a state of self-punishment apart from God. You can be with God. And so God, I pray that you will give us this amazing and great realization that we truly are never alone. But for some of us, we are alone. We are alone. Because we are still apart from you. Open our eyes to the fact that we do not have to be alone. We do not have to live apart from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So during this series, I'm, I'm going to bring you a couple of prayers that I think are beautiful expressions of, of the withness we have with God. This one's attributed to, to Patrick, the guy that we celebrate in March with shamrocks. He lived in the 400s and he went around Ireland bringing Christ to a nation of pagans. A place that was very dark, a place where Satan worship was real. And every day he felt the need to, need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And he'd pray a prayer that was literally referred to as St. Patrick's breastplate. It starts this way, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity by invocation of the same, the three in one, the one in three, of whom all nature hath creation, eternal Father, Spirit, Word, praise to the Lord of my salvation. Salvation is from Christ alone. I just love that beginning. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. It's a long prayer, but this is the part most people know. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me. Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger. Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouths of friend and stranger. Christ is with you. As you walk to communion today, tables at the front and the back, gluten-free on the sides of the stage as well as at the back, know this. 
You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone. Emmanuel wants to be with you. All of life begins apart from God. Every one of us. We're separated from God. But we don't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to be that way. The Lord turned his face toward you. He wants to give you peace. You know, sometimes that peace is hard. We're going through stuff in life. David Appleton today is feeling the loss of his mom this past week. And, you know, that doesn't just get wiped off because I know God is with me. It hurts. It hurts. We go through pain in life, and sometimes we, we misinterpret the pain as separation from God. But other times, the truth is we are separated from God, separated by our sins. And God says, would you stop sowing fig leaves? Would you stop blaming everybody else? Would you stop hiding? Come into the light. He said, let there be light, and there was light, and he gave us the light so that we can see ourselves for who we are and who we are in light of him. He wants us to live in the light. Take these words with you today, these words from the song. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. We'll see you next week.